great encouragements that we have in our faith is the encouragement of faithful servants. Take just a second right now, if you've come up in church and, and you know people who have been faithful to the Lord, and you, you think about that person this morning, because they have given you a great gift. Probably every person in this room can think of somebody who has been a tremendous example of servanthood in the church. You can think of somebody who is a, a great uh, mentor in the faith and, and could pattern your life after them. They have given you a tremendous gift because there is nothing like seeing someone with a passion for what they do. When somebody really loves the Lord and really wants to serve Him and goes after it wholeheartedly, there, there's nothing else like it in the world. And Paul is a model for that in this passage of Scripture. I want us to read again, starting in verse 19, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Stand with me, if you will, as we read this passage. Verse 19 says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without the law. Not being without the law toward God, but under law toward Christ. That I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Father, I pray that we might wholeheartedly take this scripture today, apply it to our lives, to run the race that you have set before us. Lord, to run it with discipline and compassion as we reach out to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Persistence. That's what Paul is, is exemplifying here. He said, I'm going to keep doing everything that I can to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what his whole life was wrapped up in. Everything that Paul did was for the purpose of winning people to Jesus. And that's the first thing that we see in this passage of scripture is the persistence that he has to rejoice in service. He says, for though I'm free of all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. When you have a genuine calling and a genuine passion for what God has called you to do, it permeates everything in your life. I've used this example before because it's a good example, so I'm going to use it again, all right? How many of y'all have grandchildren? How many of y'all keep your grandchildren a secret? No, you, you whipping out pictures and, you know, uh, talking about the grade they made on their report card and, you know, uh, how many teeth they got and, you know, all kinds of stuff. You, anybody that will listen, you're talking to about them grandkids, right? 
You know, some of them got bumper stickers on. You go ask me about my grandkids, and you don't even wait for people to ask. You're gonna tell them, right? You're in Walmart. How you doing? I'm great. My grandkids and such, and it just goes right. That's the way it ought to be with Jesus. That, that, that it should so permeate our life. Now, I'm not knocking grandkids. I, I, my, my children are spoiled rotten by grand, grandparents. So bless them. But, but, but what I'm saying is that, that, that your love of Christ should permeate everything in your life. It is great to see somebody who is passionate about what they do. Amen? Somebody who just loves doing what they do. Y'all know I'm a football fan. I love football. And I don't care who's playing. I like watching Monday night football for one reason. John Gruden. John Gruden used to be the coach of, uh, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I, I can't stand Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but I like John Gruden. Because you, you watch Monday night football, that man gets so into a football game. You, you know, some of you know what I'm talking about? He can tell you every aspect of it. He starts naming names and plays and watch they're going to do this and get this. And he gets so excited. You might not relate to that, but you might watch Bob Breck on the weather. Huh? Same thing. Get so excited about something just seemingly insignificant to some people, but just has a great passion for it. Paul had a passion for Christ. He didn't much care about the weather, and there wasn't no football. I know he didn't care much about the weather because he got caught in too many storms, all right? But, but he, 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 you know, he was passionate about the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we are genuine in our love for our calling, and now listen, let me tell you, that is a calling. God calls each and every believer. I believe that. If I didn't do it, I, I, if I didn't believe it, I wouldn't preach. Because there is a, a meaning in everything that we say that God calls each and every one of us. And he has not called a single one of us to walk into church for an hour on Sunday and go home and forget about it. He has called us to serve him. And when you understand your calling and you develop a passion for it and it permeates your life, everything begins to change. And it changed in Paul's life. He said, I can just relinquish my freedom. My freedom doesn't mean as much to me as serving the Lord. He says, for though I'm free of all men, I've made myself a servant to all. I've made myself a slave. The servant of God, now understand this, none of us are going to stand up this morning and say, boy, I'd sure like to be a slave, you know? But we can be a servant. We can be a slave unto Christ because we can trust him with our well-being. And when we relinquish our own personal freedoms, it harkens back to some things we were talking about before, uh, about our, our personal freedoms not overtaking, uh, the things that we have a right to not overtaking the grace that we should show others. And he says the servant of God sees the need to deny himself. Paul said, I'm free of all men. Nobody's got any chains on me. There's nothing that anybody can make me do, but I choose to make myself a servant to all men. Why? So that people might know the love of Jesus Christ, that they might know His grace, that they might know His forgiveness. The servant of God sees the need to deny himself. Isn't this what Jesus taught? Think about it. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must what? Deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. He says that, that if anyone should come after him, anyone who wanted to win his life must lose it for his sake. In other words, Jesus can do more with your life than you can. 
I talked to a young man the other night and he was just excited about a, a job opportunity he's got and he's going to make uh, X number of dollars a year and, and just an obscene amount of money for a 19 year old boy and, and all this and I was talking to him and, and, and I said and he, we got to talk about different things and he said I just like money I was kin to him so I can tell you you know I just shoot straight he said, he said I just like money I said here's the thing ain't nothing wrong with having money but there's something wrong with money having you. And I said, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And, well, I know, I know. Well, he backtracked a little bit, you know. He, was, he got a little overzealous about his, his income. He backtracked a little bit. Well, why do I tell you that? Because we need to rejoice in the service. Rejoice in the opportunity to do what God has called us to do. Nothing wrong with having a job. Nothing wrong with having a good job. But if your good job gets in the way of your good name in Christ Jesus, it's the wrong job. If, if your good intentions for whatever you're doing get in the way of your right service to the Lord, and you have missed out on the calling of God. God calls us to a place that we might serve Him and people might recognize His work in our lives and in doing so, we relinquish our freedom. We say, God, I am free to do whatever I want, but I choose to follow you. That's why Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you, don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you burden this morning? How many of you struggle with needs? How many of you struggle with difficulties? And the Lord says, take that off. Put my yoke upon you. Now, none of us in this room use a yoke, all right? So to, to, and some of you know what it is and some of you might not, but basically a yoke is a, a big old wooden collar that hooked a group of oxen together so they could all pull the plow in the same direction. And the Lord said, if we get in line with him, if we take his yoke upon us, we move in his direction, things will be manageable. He will take care of us. He will sustain us and we'll see his hand at work. We need to relinquish freedom. We need to recognize the ministry that the Lord has given us. Why, why does he, what does Paul say here? He says, I've made myself a servant to all. Why? That I might win the more. I want to serve everybody so that I might see some people get saved. It's basically what he says there. And again, this is, this is what Jesus said. Jesus said he has come to seek and save that which was what? Lost. Seek and save that which was lost. So he gives us this calling. He gives us this purpose. Now I said everybody's got a calling a few minutes ago. All of us have a specific calling. The Lord may call you into a specific area of service, but all of us share a general calling. And that general calling is evangelism. It is to tell others about the love of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness that he offers through his death on the cross of Calvary and his resurrection from a barred tomb. That we might know and understand how that affects our lives and that we might speak that truth into the lives of others. We've got to recognize our ministry. When you recognize that calling that God gives you, you have to follow it. Now, when I say have to, I know some, some, some young men in particular who God has called and they've tried to run from him and, and they've just, they've, they've, it's just a bad situation, but, but I won't go there. What I, what I want you to see is this. When you finally come, it's just like salvation. I heard the word of God many, many, many times. I listen to preachers over and over and over again. 
But one day, I understood that I was a sinner separated from God. And apart from salvation in Jesus Christ, I was hopeless. And I surrendered my life to him for salvation. It's the same thing with a calling. All of us in this room, as I've already said, God has called to do something. If, he, if you are saved, you're called. Now, if you're unsaved, the first thing the Lord's going to call you to do is be saved. Because you can't serve the Lord without knowing the Lord. All right? But if you're saved, then the, then the Lord is going to call you to do something. And when you recognize that calling, it's the same thing. When you finally realize and the light comes on, it's going to be hard to hold you down from doing what God's called you to do. We see this in Paul's life. We see how it permeates his life. We see how it affects everything he does. He, he, it, it, we see it in the life of Jeremiah. Jeremiah didn't want to preach. Jeremiah was on his own. Nobody liked him. Everybody hated him. He wanted to eat some worms. There was, you know, nobody liked what, what Jeremiah had to say. And he said, if I don't preach, if I don't tell them, it is like a fire shut up in my bones. And I have to let it out. Paul later on, or, or, or no, right here, just what we looked at just earlier in this chapter. Woe unto me if I do not preach the gospel. It's a shame if I don't do what God's called me to do. I, I get this image of Paul. And even though I know in scripture it says he was a short, bald man with bad eyesight, we can glean that from, from different areas of scripture. It's kind of like a chihuahua, you know? I got a chihuahua. I, I don't know. My mind don't work like everybody else's, but bear with me. We've got a chihuahua. Anybody familiar with chihuahuas? That is the biggest little dog in the world. They think they're, they're 800 pounds and bulletproof. I mean, they, you, we had a, a chihuahua when I was a kid, and, and, and I've seen grown men have a heart attack because that dog comes, you know? What is it? It's persistence. It's persistence. The devil is scared of persistence. If he can knock you down and you don't get back up, he's not worried about you. But if you get knocked down and you get up, you get bloody and beaten and, and, and thrown in the ring, and you keep coming back for more and more and more, like some kind of gladiator in the Roman Empire, you just run after it and you do what God's called you to do and you don't give up, God will be honored in that and the devil will flee from you. Amen? Amen. All right. They know what I'm talking about. All right. We've got to recognize our ministry. We've got to remember our place in Christ. Paul basically says here, verse 21, he says, those who are without the law, I, I became those who, who without the law as without the law, not being without the law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who, now, you read that and you feel like you're reading a, a contract or something. So what? What's, what's that mean? Wrap your mind around this. Paul is basically saying this. I'm not restrained by the legalities of the old covenant. I'm under the yoke of Christ. When I said that about Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you, 
Well, a yoke restrains you. It pushes you in a, a proper direction. It keeps you in line with the way that you need to go. Now, Paul says, I don't have to worry about the old covenant, the circumcision and the feast and the fastings and all these things because I am under the yoke of Christ. So I can reach those who are without the law because I know what it means to be outside of the covenant. That God has not restricted himself to the covenant of the Old Testament, but through Christ he has opened up the gospel to all that will hear. To the world of the Gentiles that Paul was sent to to preach. Now Paul, he wasn't looking for power. He wasn't looking to lord it over anybody. When he says to the weak, I, I became as weak that I might be the weak. He was in pursuit of excellence. He wanted to do what God had called him to do to the very best of his ability and beyond his ability as God gave him the grace to do it. See, one of the great tragedies in service can be a, 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 a hunger or a lust for power. To pursue power over another person, to, to make them feel inferior, to beat them down because of their situation. And Paul says that's not the way it is. He said if there's somebody outside the law of Christ, outside the law of God, if there's a reprobate, if there's a, a, a sinner, if there's somebody out there, I know what it means to be a sinner and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to find them. Does that mean that he partook of the sin? No, that's why he clarifies. He says not as being under the law, uh, uh, being apart from the law of God, but being under the law of Christ. He said, I can go where the sinners are. I can preach the gospel to sinners because I have been one, but because God has saved me, I no longer partake of the sin. Now, I've had people <laughs> proclaim to me that they can go and partake of sin and, and, you know, do this, that, and the other. I had a fellow tell me he used to go hang out with some friends and they'd all get, drink and smoke pot and whatever else. And when everybody got good and stoned, he'd start preaching the gospel to them. I'm like, I don't think that's the way that works. The Bible teaches that we are not to be partakers of those things, that we're not to be a part of the world. We're to be in the world, but not of it. Can you go where those people are, where they're doing those things? You can if God has called you. If God has called you. But if you become a partaker, you immediately tarnish your witness. Think about that for a second. Apply that to something else. Now, there was a fellow I heard his, his, his testimony. He was a former member of the mafia. And when he first came to Christ, he thought that he could be a good Christian mobster. Seriously. Little short guy. Remind me of Beretta. Y'all remember the TV show Beretta? That's, that's who he looked like. All right. But he, he, he thought that, hey, I can be a, just the most Christian mobster that there is. I won't kill anybody and I won't steal from anybody and I'll just have other people do it for me. Makes sense, right? No. Well, he, he, of course he came under conviction. He had made a genuine Repentance. He had turned his heart and life over to Jesus and he couldn't live in the world comfortably and still proclaim to follow Jesus. So he gave it all up. He said, I, I, don't, I don't want it. He went from, from limousines and, and mansions and swimming pools to, to nothing. Because he said it was better to follow Christ 
than to follow the word. You cannot participate with the world and win people to Christ. And Paul understood that. That's why he says that here, that I'm outside the, the, to those outside the law, I can go to them because I understand them, but I'm still under the law of Christ. Now moving on here, we see this persistence. He's persisting to rejoice in the service that he's been given. God has given him this opportunity and he is excited about it. And then we see his persistence to reach, to reach openly. I love this passage in Scripture starting in the second part of verse 22. He says, I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save what? Some. Why is that important? Paul understood that not everybody was going to respond. If you and I this morning knew for sure that every person we told about Jesus was going to come to Christ, we'd tell everybody, wouldn't we? But we don't like being rejected. We don't like making ourselves vulnerable. We don't like opening ourselves up to other people that they know where we're coming from so then they can turn around and tell us how wrong we are. So instead, we keep silent. But Paul understood. He said, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to become all things to all men that by all means somebody might get saved. It might be one, it might be a hundred, it might be a thousand, but somebody's going to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there are a couple of things here, three things actually, and persisting as Paul persists to reach openly. And we've got to do that. We've got to reach openly. We've got to go out into the world and preach this gospel. He says, number one, we've got to realize needs. All things. Not everybody has the same need. Amen? If somebody is hungry, Book of James teaches that. If somebody's hungry and, and, and destitute, and you go to them and say, be warm and well-fed, and you walk away and haven't met that need, they don't care if you know Jesus or not. Because you haven't ministered to them. Paul said, I have become all things. I realize that there are needs, and I'm going to do whatever I can to meet those needs, that by, uh, to all men, to all people, We've got to reach people. You can build the biggest, most beautiful, wonderful church in the world. You can have all the, the facilities that you want. You can have all the amenities that you want. You can have all the comforts and all the resources. But if you don't reach people, you fail. He said, I've become all things to all men that by all means. That's a tough one. All means. No limits. Think about that this morning. If you took every limit off of your life this morning that restrained you from serving the Lord, and you said, nothing's going to hold me back. I don't care what color somebody is. I don't care what age somebody is. I don't care what sex they are. I don't care where they live. I don't care about their background. I don't care about their, their, their resources. I don't care about their education. All I care about is that person and their heart and them coming to know Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk to everybody. I'd be scared of you. I'm, look, I'm, I'm not kidding That is, a, that is a powerful, powerful, powerful place to be. To just say, God, just use me. 
however, wherever, whoever used me. That's dangerous. You know why it's dangerous? Because God will do it. <laughs> He'll do it. He'll take you where you are, as you are, turn you into who you need to be that you might reach somebody for Jesus. And that is a painful, painful process sometimes. It's like, preacher, you're supposed to encourage us to do this, not discourage. I want to be real with you. Now, it's one of the greatest things in the world to be in the center of the will of God. But you're not going to be in the center of the will of God and be comfortable. That's Y'all got mighty quiet. You're not going to be in the center of the will of God and be able to do things as you want, when you want. You're going to have to do things the way God wants it done. And sometimes it's going to interfere with your life. Sometimes it's going to, to interfere with your plan. Sometimes it's going to interfere with the things that you see in your future because God has said, no, I want you to do this. I, I was joking with, with Brother Gary back there a couple weeks ago when I talked about Paul saying to go into Macedonia and all. And uh, he walked out and I said, uh, I said, how you doing, Ray? He said, I'm headed to Macedonia. I was like, right? He's free to do what God called him to do if that's what God called him to do, Amen. If God calls you to do something, he is going to empower you to do it. He's going to give you the resources to do it. He's going to educate you in how to do it. He's going to equip you in doing it. And he's going to let you do it. God is never going to call you to do something and then tell you that you have to do it all on your own. He's going to walk with you every step of the way. And Paul understood that. I'm going to become all things to all men. By all means, some might be saved. Real quick. Give me, give me. Just a couple more minutes. Y'all right. started late, so it's all right. We see the persistence to rejoice in service. We see the persistence to reach out openly. We see the persistence to receive affirmation. We've got to be affirmed in the work that God's doing. Verse 23, he said, now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker of it with you. He said, I see the results. The truest blessing of God beyond salvation is to see him change a life. I want to tell you, there have been seasons in life where I'm like, Lord, I just, I don't even know why we're doing this. And then something will happen. Somebody will change. God will reach into a life. And all of a sudden that life will be used to his glory. I've shared this story before. Some of you heard it and some of you haven't, so I'm going to tell it again. We were in a revival services in Folsom. Brother Billy Galloway had come to preach revival that year when we were in Folsom. And there was a man by the name of Gary Norton. First time I ever met Gary, he pulled a gun on me. No kidding. I, I, I was looking for some of his family that had been coming to church, and I went down his dirt road, and he come pulled right in front of me in his pickup truck, and he stepped out of that truck with a shotgun on the door just like this. Uh, you know, I, I promise I'm here for a reason. Well, long story short, all right, I promise it'll be the short version. Gary showed up for the first time at church during revival when Brother Billy Galloway was preaching. Now, the thing is, Gary's amputee, he had one leg, but it didn't slow him down. He got around on crutches, he did farm work, he did all kinds of stuff. 
You ain't never seen the Lord work until you've seen a one-legged man run. Lord got a hold of that man's heart that night. I won't promise you, he was sitting about halfway back in the church and then the preacher, music hadn't started or anything. The preacher just turned it over for invitation. He got up out of that pew and he ran down that aisle on one leg, no crutches. He said, I need to be saved. And he was. Man turned his life over to the Lord. Anything that needed to be done at the church, he wanted to do. Anybody he wanted to be visited with, he wanted to visit with them. Six months later, he was on a tractor doing some work, and the tractor rolled over on him and killed him. Why do I tell you that? Because for six months, that was one of the most energetic, fiery Christians I'd ever seen. And the Lord allowed him that. Because that could have just as easily happened before he got saved. Man, that, 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 that gets me when somebody's life has changed in such a way. I know a young man that, that his life was, was just destroyed and, and, and he gave his life to Christ. He just turned it over. He, he says it this way. He said, well, the 12-step program is a one-step program. He said, I stepped into the arms of Jesus and I ain't looked back. Now, man, there's so many stories I can tell you about that. But, but here's the thing. What's your story? What's your story? Are you persisting in what God has called you to do? Number one, have you accepted Christ? Have you, have you come to Him and said, Lord, I'm nothing without you. I need you. I need to be saved. And if you're here and you're saved, have you said, Lord, I need you every day to do what you've called me to do? Bible says that we're not to grow weary and well-doing for a new time we'll reap a harvest. But sometimes we get weary, don't we? Sometimes we get tired. But here's what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. It says that those who wait upon the Lord, shall, they will, He will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Do you want to serve the Lord today?